0: Welcome to Marketing Demystified, the podcast that connects the dots for business leaders to drive revenue through effective marketing strategy. We chat with
1: marketing experts on different topics that will help you ramp up your revenue. We stream live on LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platforms. Marketing Demystified, the podcast is presented to you
0: by GrowGetter, your partner in growth marketing. And here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. Are you ready to be inspired, informed and empowered with actionable tips that will transform your marketing game? You're in the right place. Welcome to Marketing Demystified. I'm your host, Jen Mancusi, CEO and co-founder of GrowGetter, your growth marketing partner. Building an authentic human connection with customers is key for brands looking to stand out in a crowded marketplace. Our guest today, Emma Borokoff, who is head of marketing at 8Fig, knows that humanizing your brand can be a powerful competitive advantage. She's here to discuss the topic with me. Welcome to the show, Emma.
1: Hi, happy to be here.
0: Really excited to have you on and so excited to see you. We hadn't caught up in a long time. It was so nice to reconnect and uh, hear what's been going on over at 8Fig, and I'm excited to dig into this topic today.
1: Yeah, it's a good one
0: is a good one. Um, So tell me, let's start with the basics. What does it mean to humanize a brand and why is that important?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So humanizing a brand at its core, I think really comes down to just being able to connect with your customers. Um, And so being able to really kind of showcase the people behind the company, as well as kind of like you want to be able to tap into um you want to be able to like really tap into what your customers want, what they're looking for, and I think really like build a personality around your company as well. Make people feel like they're engaging with a human, like a person and not just a corporation, not just you know, a a static company.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think what you just said, like about showcasing the sort of people behind the brand is a really interesting way to do that. Like how much of humanizing the brand is the people versus the actual brand personality? Or is it some combination of the two?
1: Yeah, I think so. There's definitely, um, I think there's definitely kind of two sides to it. Like one, I think you really do need to kind of focus on your actual brand. So really kind of taking the time to break down like what is your brand personality? What are your brand's values? What are the things that matter most to you? Like whether that's, you want to be trustworthy or credible or entertaining, you kind of have to pick those, just sticking to a few like kind of core values. And um, then kind of building out like what I've done in the past before is kind of building out like a um, kind of like communication hierarchy and understanding like, okay, with these touch points, like for example, like when we have someone on customer success so interacting with um, a prospect or we're at an event, you know, what are, what are kind of the modes of communication that you're going to use and making sure that I think consistency is a huge piece of that because like if your interactions with a company, like the way you interact with a CS rep versus someone you meet at an event versus the emails you get, if they all feel different, you're not really going to have a sense of, what that brand is. So I think taking the time to kind of scope out what are those kind of core values and core personality traits that matter to you, making sure that's something that the whole company understands and feels empowered to like actually represent the brand. So like, so that's kind of the foundation. And then from there, it's having the people actually represent it. So I think there's like there's like the marketing touch points, there's the messaging, there's your website, those things where there's not really a person, but you need to kind of infuse those values and personality traits into those touch points. But then you also need to make sure that the people within your organization and the way they interact with your customers are also representing those kind of core values and those kind of messaging. So like whether you want to be like, more laid back and very approachable and very friendly, like that should be something that when you go to an event, like that's kind of the feeling your booths give. That's kind of like how people are approaching um, prospects, things like that. Um, Or if you want to be like a little bit more, okay, okay. Like we are definitely a little bit more on the professional side. We're kind of like, I hate the word gurus, but that's the first word that popped into my mind. Like we're kind of like the thought leaders in the space. So we want to make sure that we're giving that feeling of um, being very professional, while also, you know, with a touch of wit or something like that, then you can also like start to incorporate that into those other touch points, um, which also bring me to community. But like, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe (laughs) I'll wait for the next question, unless you just want me to. (laughs) I can do it yeah
0: (laughs) I do want you to keep talking but this is so good I wanted like kind of double tap on this um consistency yeah because it's so important I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said like if you're having a different experience with customer success versus an email you're getting or social media or what you see in an event it's definitely you know that's not so human right um but it is almost a little bit of like chicken and egg of like the brand, per- what's first, right? The brand personality or the mm-hmm. people behind it. And they kind of feed into each other. So, I mean, I had wanted to ask you this question a little later in the conversation, but it feels like a good one for right now is like, what are some of the ways that you actually um, identify those core values? Like, you know, with that sort of idea in mind of like, what comes first, the people or the brand?
1: Yeah, Um yeah, it's kind of like I think it's it's a combination because you can't. So like when I've done brand building before like at organizations I've been there's kind of like there's the values that you currently are and then there's your aspirational values as mm-hmm. well. So I think you do really need to take the time like of just going through the like an exercise of understanding like you know who are our founders who are our leaders like who are the people within the organization what personality traits do they encompass what personality traits do they want to encompass encompass and then also what do our customers want like what matters the most to them so like for instance like at at 8 like we are a we are a funding company for e-commerce platforms so like at the end of the day if we're giving them money like we do have to be credible we do have to be trustworthy and so that's something that I think like honestly we're still you know working into building more into our brand at its core um but I think I think you do just kind of have to assess like where you're at and what are those key pieces that make your company unique and your brand unique that's like okay like I've been something I always like enjoyed, including in a brand as some kind of aspect of like wit or cheekiness or something like that. It's not for every brand, of course, but if that's something that you've already seen, like positive interactions with customers, they've remembered that they're like, oh, yeah, and you're getting that kind of feedback, then that's something you want to build into it as well. Um, so it's kind of both. And I think that you do have to just assess where you're at and also where your weaknesses are. Um, because some of those values, you might want to be a big piece of your brand. Like they're not, you're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think also kind of building a roadmap with, you know, the leadership, um, the product team, the customers and customer success and sales teams to, you know, whatever that may be to like bridge that gap. So that, that value is, is less aspirational and more a reality. Um, so I think it's a little bit of both, not really like give you a straight answer. (laughs) No, that is a straight answer.
0: I think I I totally agree. It is a little bit of both. And I love that, um, distinction between like, who are you now? And who do you want to grow up to be? Right. Um, who, who is eight Fig in five years or who is grow getter in five years, like thinking about what values maybe we can't hold right now or don't. And, um, one tactic that I like an exercise I've used in the past comes from the book traction. If anybody hasn't read it, it's a great one to go and pick up. But the, the concept is to kind of take a look at your highest performing members of your team and identify their individual values that they hold. So not everybody on mm-hmm. the whole company, but just the highest performers, the top three to five people that you would clone if you could. Um, and what are, what are the values that they kind of, bring to the organization. And it's a, a great way to identify um, the values of the business as a whole um, and really pull inspiration from from people throughout the org, you know, regardless of where they sit on a leadership team or if they're a founder or um, certainly as brands evolve, if you're at a startup and you've been around for a year, that five-year version of that company or that 10-year version of that company is going to look very different as you grow. So it's a great way to kind of... Um, let the values evolve as the company evolves as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. And um, something that I like, I, I can be a podcast. I usually listen to just like murder podcasts, but when <laughs> I'm not listening to murder podcasts and listening to like, <laughs> like business and productivity ones, there was actually a really, really good one. Um, I think it was like how I built this by the founder. It was the founder of Patagonia who was on it um and it was just so good because like I think Patagonia is such a love brand because they they have such a like first of all it's like quality of the products like they care so much you know it's a higher end item and they really just care about creating something he basically was like we want to create a product that people aren't going to need to buy another one of you know like that mm-hmm. it's going to be such a good long lasting product and then the fact that they that like becoming rich was never actually one of his main motivations for starting the company. And so you really feel that because the money does go back into, you know, very like altruistic causes. Um, and another thing that that really reminds me of, and I think the fact that like the founder represents those pieces of like quality, long lasting, you know, goods over all out al- over profit. Um, and I think, the motivation from within to just build something that, you know, fills the market need of like just really good outdoor products that like last longer. Like I think because the CEO like exudes those things, like their brand is so successful because it wasn't because that's real because it's actually representative of like the reason he started the company. Mm. Um, And that also reminds me of something that a colleague, like one said, which was um, like when we were talking about like trust and credibility, like what is that? Like what do you have to do as a company to actually fulfill that for, you know, prospect or customer? And it's it's making sure that your actions like follow through with what you say, like making sure your actions align with your words. And I think that is also a huge area where the brand – can really fall apart because like as a marketer you know we're like building these beautiful things of like oh we're this and that and you know we're gonna be there for you and we're gonna do this and then but like okay say well we're a partner in growth we're gonna be there but then like our customer service hours aren't like all the time you know or things where it's just kind of like okay yeah like you've built this kind of dream but if you are leading people to believe one thing and then you actually haven't like really fulfilled that expectation, um, then that's where everything falls apart. And kind of the brand building is just really kind of a pointless exercise. So making sure that what you are building and exuding and saying and that your messaging is actually aligning with what you are able to do within the company and that your product is able to live up to that. And that, you know, if there is a gap, then it's making sure that your messaging is setting up the proper expectations. So people aren't going to be let down. I
0: think that's so important. And as you were talking about the Patagonia example, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, that's a great example of a a business that actually does what they say they're going to do. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard to do that because like you said, there's a lot of work that happens in different departments that could easily not be aligned. Um, and so it's super important to have that cross-functional collaboration, especially when identifying your company values that should kind of infiltrate the entire business and make sure that the actions are aligning with the words. Um, Mm -hmm. Because that does have a a huge impact on trust and and the consistency you talked about. You know, if people have a different experience with this team versus another team um, or emails say different things or whatever, then um, it doesn't feel authentic Mm -hmm. um, of what the brand is claiming. Right.
1: Yeah. 100 percent.
0: So what are some key strategies for creating that authentic connection with customers on a human level?
1: Yeah, so so right from the get-go kind of I mentioned like the foundational work that needs to be done. Like you do have to kind of build out that core understanding of like, okay, who are we? What are our main personality traits? Like what are our main values? Um, What is our voice? And then how does that voice change across – because like we have – So I kind of mentioned building like a communication hierarchy. Um, So yeah, because we're, yeah, funding. um, And so finance can be not always fun. And so like, while we do try to be quirky, you know, I'm not going to be putting puns in emails where, you know, there might be people who haven't paid us back and they're starting to, you know, it's getting to be a very more of like a serious, you know, point in time and where we kind of need to make the language as direct and clear as possible. Like it should still not be, like it shouldn't just go from, oh, fun and flirty and then corporate speak when things get serious. Like the language should still like align in general with the core of kind of your brand's voice. Um, But making sure that you understand those different moments, like aligning those and making sure that the people who are owning those touch points are also where, um, but like for us, we do a lot of like email automation. So it's really just kind of like looking at our email flows and understanding those different um, like scenarios that you need to be having those different types of um, communication touch points. Um, another thing, you know, so that's like the foundational work and then kind of aligning, um, especially like any automation, because like automation can go so wrong if it's, you um, you know, if it's not in the right time and place or the tone's a little off, like if you get like an aggressive automated email that is not like it fires in the wrong place, like that can really, really rub people the wrong way. So really also kind of making sure that everything makes sense. Um, But addition to that um, is really putting your customers front and center um, and making sure and like reaching out to them. And we use social a lot for just like following all like all the e-commerce brands um, and just like engaging with you know they're having new product launches or they're you know having little successes just like engaging with them and you know sending them things um, when there's like an exciting moment and just like trying to reach them in different areas outside of just like the very professional space of like email and being on the phone but just like other social channels I think are huge community building is really important. Um, so even if you are not in a place to go launch a community and I think launching a community without knowing anyone who will, will be in that community is a very poor decision and you will just end up creating a space that no one wants to go to. Um, but meeting your customers and like, ideal customer profiles like in the spaces where they are like we've started going to a lot of like local meetups and things where there's just like you know 10 people and they're just there to kind of shoot the shit and like talk about the their problems that they're facing and you know as an entrepreneur like what are what are some of the things that they think about and like wanting to learn from others so i think being able to send your people out and like go to those places and show up with like not no, no intention besides just trying to get to know and understand people better because like i'm always talking with people about like how everyone's bullshit leader hopefully i can curse on the show but <laughs> is um is everyone's good at it so it's like if you're going to a thing with like the intention of selling people like they feel it and they know like I've done that where we had, we hosted a happy hour at an event in Vegas and, you know, I had my little fig shirt on. I went straight up to a couple and was just like, oh my God, like, have you heard of what AFIG does? And they were immediately, there was that wall. And then when I was like, okay, but actually like, where are you guys from? Like, what is, you know, and they can immediately opened up to me and it was like, we had a great conversation. We were able to connect on a real level and it is a long game like building those relationships. Like it's, it's like SEO, honestly, like it's going to take longer, like showing up, getting your people out there, learning more about the challenges people are facing in their own words. Um, that kind of thing, like you can any, like you can start doing right now. You can start doing tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah. whoever said that people can smell the desperation. Yeah. So it's like, Yeah. So if you're going in with a pitch, like people, people feel it, people know it, people hate it. And so, um, yeah, I just talk for a bunch, but
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. The thing that like is just going rattling around my head as you're talking is like, just read the room, right? Yeah. Not just the physical room, but any, communication channel when you were describing that like hey we've actually got like a pretty serious email we need to send we're chasing a collection or you know whatever it might be it's not the space for a joke or a pun Mm -hmm. or a cocktail hour is more about relationship building and learning about people or or just being open enough in the moment to say what's appropriate right now. What's yeah. the appropriate conversation to have? Like, this is about being humans <laughs> and like, yeah, where I think there's that crossover of B2B and B2C. I'm a big proponent. Like, I do not believe that B2B and B2C marketing are the same. I know some people think that it is. It's, it is not. There are some major, major, major differences. However, this is where it's like, you know, if you were going to a cocktail party as a social event, as a individual without any business objectives you wouldn't be like just launching into the room with some kind of agenda you would just see what what it was like and try to feel out the vibe and you know build those relationships and and that's super important to do as a business as well um it's hard it becomes hard if you're trying to automate a lot of stuff and um, create efficiencies. Like it's so important to be, to remain personalized in this sort of land of automation.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. And yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely like B2B and B2C, like there's definitely key differences, but I do think that, yeah, B2B is like, so it's always the idea of like, oh, well we can, that's fun for B2B. Um I think there's definitely more like lines you have to be care- aware of and careful of as a B2B company but at the same time like like there are a lot of really great like B2C strategies that people should be yeah. embracing more and and I really do love things like like this like the podcast like top of funnel kind of activities that you can do really easily with like almost no money like we launched a podcast network And it's super, you know, the goal was we were not like, we're going to like make all this money from our podcast network. We're like, no, like the main goal is like, now we have a platform for a way to like reach out to people we think are really interesting and really cool in the space or like customers who are doing really cool things. And now we have this like, Great space to connect with people and give them an audience and like create content that, you know, will be useful down the road. And I think just like a lot of those, like top of funnel, like feels very brandy, fine, it's not converting to like dollars tomorrow but it's a it's a long game, and I think mm-hmm. that the relationships you can make during like an hour chatting with someone about their life and how they built the thing that they built is like that value is gonna be so much more sticking and worthwhile down the road because you're like building relationship and and it's not just like an email touch point um, for sure, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that long game relationship building is so is so critical. And you mentioned this when you were talking before about like, you know, sort of social media engagement and meeting people where they are versus community building. And I want to resurface this comment that you said, like, you don't don't build a community of people that you don't know are going to participate in the community. So you'll just have a space that people don't want to come to. So maybe we could talk a little bit more about community building and like, how is you know, having a really human brand and maybe thinking about that long game relationship building going to help to drive loyalty and community with your customers.
1: Yeah. Like I think um uh like I had this was not it was just like a quote I just had in my head. Like you're not gonna have a party if you don't have any friends. Like no one's gonna come. <laughs> so like don't yeah and I think on a lot of times there's like especially like as a marketer you get a lot of especially, you know, people who might be like in leadership who are like, let's do this thing because I saw other people do it and it was successful. But if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it, you probably should not be doing it. Um, And especially with community, it's just like, like we haven't, like we haven't chosen to launch like a dedicated digital community yet because, You know, I think that there's just a lot of work that has to be done beforehand. And you have to also understand, like, what other communities are out there? Like, how can our community be differentiated? Like, what is the main goal and the main thing that's bringing people together and sometimes making a community doesn't of your own doesn't actually make any sense because Mm -hmm. you should just have you know people in your organization who are kind of empowered to become part of other communities um and then from there start growing your network and then kind of seeing where you're at um but yeah and I think you just like yeah you really have to like have a very clear goal um and the goal can't just be like more revenue because yeah, yeah, that's not going to, you're not going to have a good time.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because I, over the last few years, I've heard of a couple of examples of companies that have like embarked on these really massive community building initiatives that have been driven from the top, from the C level of the company. And without that clear objective and without that relationship building ahead of time, it hasn't gotten the resources it needs. It hasn't gotten, you know, like uh, and communities that sort of fall into that scenario have failed. Um, yeah. Because they weren't, you know, they didn't go into it with that, with those uh, relationships and a clear goal and also a clear understanding of the value it was going to drive for the community. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like, what is the value you're bringing? Like, I think that's really underscores marketing so much today. Like, I think it has for a while, especially with like, when HubSpot started, you know, like inbound and things like that, um, which is like, create stuff, create content, create value, and then people will come. I mean, you still have to target them and all those things are still going to yeah. come. But like, um you need to like this was also another thing I was thinking about in terms of building authenticity is like I do think as a marketer it is your duty to like soak yourself up in the topic like as much as humanly possible and be able to speak on it but at the same time like you're probably not the real expert on it and people want the real experts and they want the like actual thought leaders because like for instance, like I, at AFIG, it's like, I'm not, I haven't launched my own e-commerce company. I, sh- I sure am thinking about it, but I haven't. And so I've learned a lot from other people and I can speak to things around that. But at the end of the day, what's going to bring the most value to our community is bringing other people who have done that thing, who can speak to it. Like we've had a few successful panels. Like we have this really fantastic um, female founder panel that was so interesting and it was just... Um, I think we had about like five women who um all e-commerce sellers, but like different phases um in different categories like beauty and um water and clothing and that sort of thing. Um and then we just had um a shout out to to Katie who was fantastic at organizing it and our our event our event marketing manager, um, and hosting it. And so it was very much just like we created a space, like she orchestrated the panel, but at the end of the day, people were coming to hear from those actual sellers. And, you know, we had um, one of our customers on as well. And so it's like, of course, if you can get like a little plug in there, fantastic. But at the end of the day, like the real value was the people who, actually have that experience that we knew the community was drawn to. And we had a great showing and like, we got really good feedback too, because it was just very like, you know, when you go, you know, when you go to an event or a webinar or something and the content is just fluff and it's Mm -hmm. bad (laughs) and it (laughs) happens a lot because now there's so much content and with, you know, AI, it's really easy to create content. It's not super, I'm sure you can create content that's great with AI as well, but the quality in general across the board, the amount of content has gone up, the quality has gone down. Mm -hmm. So when you're able to actually bring people who have that real experience, you're not hiding in like an agenda of like, we're actually going to just talk about AFIC the whole time. Like people feel it. And then, yeah. And then you're creating, and that's when you start to like grow the community because you're actually bringing that value. You're bringing the people that your community wants to hear from and you're not making it about yourself. You're just facilitating the conversation and you're really just kind of associating yourself with those powerful conversations, but you're not plugging yourself in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. You basically become that sort of reliable source for, um, you know, knowledge sharing, creating a space for knowledge sharing across um you know, across those experts as opposed to, and even what you just said of like, you know, I'm not a founder of an e-commerce company. I've never done that before. Like is so authentic. That is, uh, you know, something that some brands don't, their people don't say, right? Like this is, here's what I'm not, what I don't know. Yeah, I, I'll get you in front of the people that know this stuff because we're connecting, you know, we're connectors and we're creating a network for you and we're going to help you um, through our other people that we know, but, you know, we're not the expert in this area. Here's what we are the expert in. It just creates this level of trust. And, um, you know, sometimes admitting what you're not good at is just as important as highlighting what you are good at. But I love that, you know, that sort of description of creating a space for, um, you know, for knowledge sharing, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think also when you're kind of building that foundational like brand pieces and like who you are and and I think a big part of it is also like who you are and who you aren't and like what is your core, like I think also building out kind of those core topics that you as a company or you as like representatives of that company can speak to in other areas that like aren't your forte and like for us it's more of like the financial areas and like our founders are very you know people who are masters of the supply chain you know and so that's something like those are the areas that you know we'll focus on and that we'll kind of put them out there on but at the same time like yeah it's really important to also understand like E-commerce seller, like every customer are different, but like specifically e-commerce sellers, like they just want to talk to other sellers. They want to learn from their peers. And that's like the type of community that thrives the best, like within that world. And so for us to find key people who can bring that value to that community is just like absolutely vital. Otherwise we're just, yeah, just setting ourselves up to fail. For sure. For sure. Now, you already
0: touched on this briefly when you were talking about the podcast network, which is super interesting, Um, but I'd love to hear some, you know, advice that you might have for smaller companies or companies with um, limited resources for how they might humanize their brand on a budget.
1: Yeah, 100%. So I think just, I mean, going through the foundational process from the beginning, I think is really important just to have something that is, if it's even just like outlining the three values, outlining the three personality traits, like what is what is the mission that's important too? You really need a mission and it needs to be bought in by like leadership as well. Um, you can't just go make it. I have tried to do that before and that's really not it. good good thing to do um to have that and then really just kind of audit all the touch points of like your website is super important that's really just like the face of your company Mm -hmm. um so kind of just going through the messaging and any of like the email flows and that sort of thing um that you have another thing you can do is like it also depends on you know the organization that you are but like finding like just having like a list of your customers and starting to follow them on social or like engage with them on LinkedIn and starting to, like, I think that there's like a lot of those more like slower, but really impactful things where you can start to already build in a few of those touch points and have that, I think, you know, whether it's like your marketing team, your sales team, your CS team, like a customer facing teams should, like proactively be kind of engaging with your customers on different channels. Like obviously it's different, like some people, some, you know, maybe if you're in cybersecurity, like they won't love that if you're like following them on Instagram or something like that. But like Mm -hmm. definitely on LinkedIn, I think like take advantage of these social channels and take advantage of that. Like the end of the day, you're still working with a person versus a business And, um, and yeah, so I think that's something that you can already start to do is just like auditing all the channels that you have, and then also seeing how you can better engage with your own customers and try to kind of get their stories more in the limelight and try to get them more involved with you and your team. Um, so, so yeah, that they can start to see, oh, another thing was, yeah, we also touched on this briefly as well at the beginning, but um, showing more this is like very easy to just start doing right away. It's just show more behind the scenes stuff of your company. Um, mm. like people eat that up. Like you don't have to be like showing all your failures or anything by any means. But like there's nothing sketchier than a company where you can't find like any trace of the people who work there. Um, and that immediately like always makes like a red flag of like who are these people? Like you always feel a little bit better when you see like a group of people like you know you're like okay these are the people actually behind this company there's there's real people it's not just i'm not just like interacting with a bunch of automation or bots um so just try to share more about like your the people in your company the culture um things that you're doing like it seems really basic but people love to see that and it's also really good bonus points for employer branding as well so that's something that you can easily do and and people just eat eat that up. I think it's such a great approach
0: too, because at the end of the day, people want to buy from people and not just any people, but people they like and people they feel like they know. And it's so important to bring the personalities of the people behind the scenes into the forefront. Um, Yeah. There are, I mean, and it's not to say like, you can't grow a business without that. Like there's definitely some companies that you know, really the only faces are like the founder or, or, you know, one or two key people. And you have no idea who's who's doing the work in the factory, but um, the companies that really do a good job of highlighting the team and the culture, um, I mean, I'm definitely more drawn to them, even from a consumer product perspective. I mean, you look at companies like um, Spanx who didn't spend any money on marketing. It was all about the personality the people Um, or, you know, there's other companies like that as well. And, and I think that's such a great way to, um, give your brand some personality is by really highlighting the personality of the people that are,
1: that are making the things and (laughs) yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and then it's also like a person is going to be so much more memorable than just like, Mm -hmm. A brand. So even if it means like, okay, you have like a content writer is doing a newsletter every month or something like that. Just having them sign off their name. They, people started like, I've had that where I, yeah, back in the day was like writing the newsletter um, at some of my previous companies, and then like people would start to people were like, oh, you're Emma, you're like the newsletter, you know. And it's like you can start to. I think it's it's that kind of value is super important to start building and um, it's like associate to kind of, like, get your people's faces in front of them. Um, I, oh, I also, like, I had a note for this conversation as well that another thing you can do um, in order to kind of just, like, make your messaging more authentic is also, um, like, I had a few people, some really great, like, marketers and writers that, like, Dave Gerhardt of, mm-hmm. um, like, he was the CMO at Drift. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he, like, did a lot of like behind the scenes stuff and really did a lot more of that kind of like BDC, B2C marketing for B2B and something that he's, he's said that I a hundred percent agree with is like, write how you would talk, like use less jargon. Like, why are you writing? Like if you're writing a sentence about what your product is and you say it out loud and you're like, that's something a human would never say, like clearly you're not doing it well and like keep rewriting it until it's just very simple Mm -hmm. and, and to the point. And I think like, especially on the B2B side, we get really caught up with like our jargon of like a 360 degree platform or like a, you know, whatever OS and like all these words, like they don't mean anything. So, um, and also, um, there's a really great like e-commerce email marketer, um, Chase Diamond, who we've worked with before, and he has a really, really good newsletter all about copy. A lot of it is like copy for e-commerce, but in general, like really, really good copy tips um, and just things about being succinct and yeah, really just being a person and straight up. Um, and then there's also another, also in the e-commerce world, I've just been floating around in this world mm-hmm. for a little bit, but um, Ari Murray, A-R-I murray I just started, um, subscribed to her, her newsletter. Oh, I forgot what it's called, like something millions, but she writes, literally she writes in a way that is like just her thoughts in a flow. Um, and it's such a good, it's such a different way of reading and, and newsletter, but it's like, it's, I think it's totally worth, it's definitely not for everyone in terms of like what might make sense for your brand, but if you're looking for ideas of like ways to convey information that are a little bit more like a B2C technique um, and like a little bit more engaging, then definitely check out, yes, go to millions, yeah, Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, really love uh, the stuff that I'm She's gonna have to. to too, I'm yeah. gonna have to check that
0: out. Um, yeah, it's so important to simplify content, and what you were saying about jargon. I mean, it's just it takes too many brain calories to figure out what you're trying to say. Um,
1: and We're actually, I think,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's such a, it, that's actually one of my favorite applications for AI and content is we don't use AI to create content, but we do use AI to edit content sometimes. Mm. And that's one thing if I'm like, if I'm writing and I can't get out of the jargon or I can't get out of like how businessy it sounds or something, that's a great thing to like, take my, overcomplicated content, say, can you simplify this to me, put it at an X, Y, Z reading level um, and see what it spits out is kind of a a nice way to edit because it's really hard. It's hard to write things short and it's hard to write things simple, especially when you know, when you're like, you know, you're in the business day to day, maybe you've been there for years and you just know all the information. It's hard to write for somebody who doesn't know anything. Um, Yeah. Like simplification is so important.
1: Yeah and I think it's really easy to like think and write in cliches too because it's just like it's just what comes to your brain first and then you start to just kind of repeat the same and that's like how we end up with these like b2b marketing like echo chambers where we're all kind of saying the same phrases over and over because it's just easy it's the easier route but I love that like using AI to edit um which like I audit ought to do more of that.
0: (laughs) It's a great application if you want to kind of get familiar with AI and some different applications without like, you know, don't tell it to write your blog post if you're doing that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I can't get it to do good puns, but I think I just need to be more specific. Like I'm always like, (laughs) give me 37 e-commerce puns. And it's like, it writes me like a novel. It's like, it writes like, it's like a knock knock joke almost. And I'm like, oh, I don't think it's like quite getting it. But yeah, right. it's uh, not great with puns and sarcasm, but uh, maybe it'll get better. It's not. Yeah. But honestly, I'm sure it'll be there very soon. <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Well, thank you so much, Emma, for coming on the show today. This has been such a great conversation. I think it's so important to be more human and relate and connect with customers better. So I really appreciate your expertise on the topic and for joining me today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was super fun. Super fun. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone for listening in. Um, I'm going to be traveling to Amsterdam for SMR the next few days. So if you're attending, please come and connect with me in person. I'll be back with another episode later next week when I chat with Kathy McPhillips, chief, chief growth officer at the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute. We'll definitely be talking more about AI and I will see you then. Awesome.